Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Me Slapping K-Pop Podcast. I am Kayla, and with me today is Sammy. Hello. And the two of us are here to do another um, installment of The Complete History Of. And as we had said in the Unique episode, this is meant to be a series to cover sort of the more underrated unknown groups who have, like, kind of, like, a sad history. An um, interesting story. Yeah. An interesting story to tell that kind of gets forgotten from buried by the big groups. Yes. And so today we are going to talk about KNK, which is personally um, one of my favorite underrated groups that are still alive and existing in the K-pop realm. <laughs> and they're also having a comeback um, before the end of the year, supposedly. So we thought this would be a good time to talk about them. Yep. And look... Unique was a very weird episode because they're all doing better. Yes. So this will be a little... I think Unique will be our happiest episode, maybe. Probably. <laughs> the rest of these are going to be a little sad. They're really sad. This one is not as sad as some of the other groups we are planning to talk about, but um, still not very happy. Not great. Yeah. So there's a lot of pre-debut stuff to go over with K&K because um, they did a lot of pretty notable things pre-debut. So, um, to start off, KNK, a five-member group. Um, first off, Insong, one of the members. So he was a big hit trainee, as well as Sangjun. And both of them trained with BTS while they were still trainees at Big Hit. And then Insong then moved to FNC, where Heejun, another one of the members, was at. And Insong trained with what would be SF9. And so the two of them are both very good friends with SF9. And then the um, Insong and Sangjun, both very good friends with BTS still. And then Heejun, who was at FNC already, he was in, like, a prototype version of what Honeyest would be in, in the future. Because he was in the band part of their trainee um, section of FNC, where Insong was in, like, the actual idol group section. But he wasn't in band versus... No, he was dance he was band whatever. Oh, the heck dance was. versus band, yeah. So he was out of um, FNC by the time Dance versus Band aired. But oh, by the way, everybody, this is also going to be my education because I like K and K. But Kayla's this is actually story time with Kayla. Yes, because I love them, so I know like more about them than probably anyone should. So, <laughs> um. So, yes, because Heejun and Insong were both at FNC, both of them were on um, this FNC variety show called Chundamdong 111. Uh, it's a very interesting show. It's kind of like a mockumentary thing. It just shows off um, what, like, CN Blue, FD Island, AOA were all doing at the company, plus and flying who were right about to debut at that time. And then it also did a lot of things with the trainees at the company at the time. So there's, like, pre-debut... Um, SF9 is in there, like, Rowoon and Zuho are both in there. And then Heejun and Insong are both in that show. Heejun is with the band unit, and then Insong is, does a lot of stuff with Rowoon, interestingly enough, um, because those are the two, like, idol trainees that they sort of picked out to showcase in the show. And so the two of them do a lot of stuff in that show. Also in that show was um, the new bassist of Ed Flying, Dong Sung, who was in Honeyest. But that was in Unflying. FNC went through a lot of... Yeah, FNC just 
reshuffled their group so much. There's a lot of lot of that happening at FNC. <laughs> Just reshuffle. You have so many bands. Bands replace members all the time. Just sort of like. Mm-hmm. Between that, CN Blue, and FT Island, you're just sort of seeing, like, members just sort of shift around. Oh, yeah. Like, two of the members in N Flying were supposed to be in, like, CN Blue, and then got kicked out last minute. So it's, like, it's a, a whole bunch of stuff happens there. <laughs> um, and then to move on to Sang June. So Sang June was at Big Hit for a while with Insong, where they trained with BTS. And then Sang June moved to JYP at some point, where he trained with Got7. Um, and he's apparently friends with Jackson because he was on a variety show where Jackson was also on and they seem to know each other and be friends, which is interesting. Gyujin was at TS Entertainment where he trained with BAP. And so it's like all of them were all like... Of the the <laughs> weird thing is all of the notable groups from recently. Yeah. All notable boy groups for their time. Mm-hmm. And then you just have K and K sort of floating around. Oh, yes. In the middle. Mm-hmm. And that really just shows a lot of, like, the, the idol trainee system where it's, like, if you, like, what would have happened if they stayed? Would they have been in BTS? Who knows? Who knows? Honestly. Who knows? Who knows? That's the weird thing with, like, idol trainees. You're, like, if it was, if it was, everything was a little bit different, who knows where everybody would be. And then you just have, like, the sad groups of, like, trainees that kind of just go around and then end up in, like, a less popular group. Yeah. And they're just sad. A lot of people do, like, a lot of trainees do, like, company jumping, like, pretty often, and that's just, like, something that happens a lot, and it's a lot of people jump from, like, bigger companies to smaller companies, too. Because, again, the thing is they just want to debut, and then you're not sure, like, if a bigger company's gonna even debut you, much less anything else, so you kind of company hop to just try to debut. Right. Because that's the first hurdle. Mm-hmm. If, for example, you company hop and then you end up in a small company debut, but the group that you were training with ends up debuting and are way bigger, yeah, that's a risk you're gonna take. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jihoon, he was apparently training in Nega Network. I have no idea what company that is. I've never heard of these people. I've, I've never heard of it. I don't even think they have a K-pop group. But that was before they all came to. Their current company. Well, actually, not their current company. But, um... Their first company. First company. <laughs> also, Dog One, who was not a part of the initial debut lineup, but joined the group later. He was also a trainee at FNC with Unsong and Heejun. And apparently stayed really close friends with, like, all of the members of K&K. Which is why I think they pulled him in to be in the group after they lost, um... Oh! Their other oh, member. Nega Nega Network had LaBoom. Oh, okay. Or has LaBoom. They have LaBoom. And they had brown-eyed girls from 2006 to 2015. Oh, okay. And they had Sunny Hill. Okay. That's like like more groups than I thought. Yeah, I just googled them. (laughs) So, sorry Nega Network, we didn't realize. Nope. Did not, did not know. But granted, those are not incredibly notable groups to begin with. Eh, brown-eyed girls. Yeah, but brown-eyed girls is, like, not there anymore, so. Nope. And also, uh, LaBoom. We like LaBoom, I do like LaBoom. That's not, like, Not, like, a top-tier group, yeah. Um. So after everyone went around, was it out all of these companies and did shit tons of company jumping 
they all ended up at YNB Entertainment at some point. And then they and YNB released like tons and tons and tons of just like online video content for them pre-debut, like a video a day or they would like live stream like every day or something. They would have some type of content out for like a three whole months leading up to their debut, which was a lot. It's just a lot of content. I went back and tried to like look at it and there's just a lot of stuff there. So they yeah, they seems overwhelming. Yeah, it's a lot. It's K and K has like a stupid amount of like online like V Live videos, like YouTube videos. Just there's a whole ton of that for K and K, like more than like I've after, seen for any group. I feel like V Live has just been a very good thing for K pop. Mm hmm. Because it's just like they can just do random live streams, and if you're into that, you can just watch so much content there's so much content available there's these so days. much and it's like so much free content mm -hmm. with like okay there aren't necessarily subtitles on v lives but like you kind of get the gist of it for yeah. the most part mm -hmm. and now groups just release like sort of variety shows and everything through v live and youtube yeah. where you would have to like back in the day you would have to get a variety show like on like an actual television network to even yeah. have that kind of content and now you're just, like, sitting here, I get, like, updates from, like, you're getting them once a week, highly produced, with subtitles, with good subtitles. Yeah. Not, like, like fan Actually edited subtitles. well and everything. Edited, and they're having fun, mm -hmm. and it's not, like, one of those where it's, like, the producers want you to do this hellish task. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, let's go have a picnic. Right. Let's go make some food. There's a lot of making food. <laughs> variety shows. There's a lot shows. of making food. And yep. it makes me very hungry. Mm-hmm. So, K&K officially debuted um, as a five-member boy group on March 3rd, 2016, with the song Knock and under YB Entertainment. Y&B has the group Bestie, but that's really about it. And yep. so, my opinion on Y&B is, like, I consider them, like, a bottom feeder agency. <laughs> Because what they've done with both K&K and with Bestie is they take all of these trainees who have, like, tons of experience training under By other way, companies. Other notable know, companies. If you don't know, mm -hmm. Bestie is just members of EXID yeah. that left EXID. Like, mm -hmm. if you go back to, like, EXID's debut, you'll see it's, like, a bigger group. And a couple of those members left, and then and that is how Bestie was. That's made. how Bestie was formed. So mm -hmm. they are just taking very popular, like not popular, because Excited at that time at the was time not wasn't a popular, popular. Group. But they but take they had experience. They just take trainees who have experience in other companies and like put them together and like shove them in a group, probably because they don't have the like the money or the resources Ability. to train trainees and so they just mm -hmm. pick up people who are already experienced yep mm -hmm. oh the other notable thing about k and k and i don't know if you're going to touch on this later is that they're very tall oh they're so tall k and k is i think the tallest um boy group. on average on average their shortest member i think is 510 511 selling yeah, the shortest member is 511 <laughs> And that was a selling point when they debuted, was mm -hmm. that they were, like, the tall idols. Their tallest member is, um, 6'3", and Lord. their shortest is 5'11", so they're very tall. 
Yeah, that was definitely a selling point where they were just sounded like, here are the tall boys. I remember seeing them right when they debuted, because Weekly Idol, back when Weekly Idol used to have the two good ho- Two not the good two, hosts, but yeah. two better hosts. And then it was like only notable groups were allowed to go on Weekly And only Idol. notable group, but they would every every year they'd have, or every like six months they would have the date, the, the rookie, rookie Idol episodes. special. Where mm-hmm. I remember K and K was there with Astro and the girl group four ten. Yeah, who was just like thrown on who that show there? for who knows why? <laughs> who were there? But Astro standing next to K and K because Astro does not have like they're not that short. This is back when I thought it was a baby, short, but like they're not that short. But they looked like children. Mm-hmm. They looked like in like they looked like babies mm-hmm. in comparison to K and K. Like K and K are just very tall. They're very tall, and also they're very fun on that show. If you haven't seen that up, ep- that is one of my favorite Weekly Idol episodes. It is very fun, and I think like them and like so them and Astro both debuted in like the first couple months of 2016, and so they did mm-hmm. a lot of variety shows together. Or, like, music show stages or whatever stuff. They did a lot of stuff with Astro because they were the new boy groups at the time. And because there wasn't any other boy groups who had really debuted yet. And, like, them two and, like, Victon later, who did, I think they debuted a couple months later, would do a lot of variety shows together. And they, I think that was really a benefit to K&K because I think their debut and, like, the couple of months after the debut was really their peak of their group, which is kind of sad. Because mm-hmm. I feel like everything they've done past then, like, hasn't been as good. Because I felt like with the amount of attention and the amount of shows they were going on right at their debut, it set them up to look like they had a lot of potential to, like, be a really big group afterwards. But then that just never happened, sadly. And I think that that happens with a lot of K-pop groups where, like, your debut will happen and then people get excited and then they're like, oh, I like this group, I like this. And then other people debut, and then people just get excited for that group. Yeah. It's really hard to sort of keep- everyone is the new shiny thing when they debut. 2016, like, in particular, 2016 was, a, was hard. It was a hard year, because- so it was Astro, K&K, Victon, and then NCT came, and SF9 and Pentagon at the end of the year, and it was just yeah. like- ev- that's like everybody <laughs> came out that yep. year. And then NCT just kept debuting, because they kept debuting And then debuting NCT debuted units. three times that year. <laughs> Mark debuted three times. Yeah. Mark himself debuted three times. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. It was it got it's, it was really gradually easy to get harder lost. Yeah. And to, for really them to be noticed to that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like the other groups that were coming out also were from more notable companies too, and like you Pentagon. An Pentagon had a yeah. SM is just SM, and then Pentagon and SF9 both had like um, survival shows. And then Astro had a web drama. I mean, the thing with Astro is Astro was also, no offense to everything else, but Astro at least had their unique concept where it's like all these other groups had their hardcore, except for NCT Dream. But NCT Dream was was actually children at the time. Actual children. Like like 14 years old. Like they were babies. Yeah. Chewing Gum is an interesting video. I love that song, but that's a weird, like it's a very weird time for them. But Astro at least had their cuter concept, which made them stand out in this crowd of just very... Very similar boy groups. Similar concept boy groups. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a time, and I, I regret it now, that I 
Fonfair and Gorilla were very interchangeable for me. Oh, yeah. I thought that they were the same song SF9 for a little SF9 and bit. Pentagon, like, might as well have been the same group when they debuted. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then you're looking at, then you have Firetruck in there, and then mm-hmm. Knock just is kind of in the similar, yeah. similar boy group style, where it's just like, all of you are kind of the same. I'll wait a couple comebacks before I have an opinion on any of you. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I got into K&K so much was 2016 was when I just started, like, hardcore getting into K-pop, and so I was constantly, like, actively looking to stand groups, <laughs> and K&K, I think, just debuted, like, at the right time where they were, like, a new group and they were only five members, and I really liked their debut, and I was like, I guess I'm gonna stand them now. <laughs> yep. That was the year prior is when I got into K-pop, so 2015, and that's the same thing that happened with me in 17, who is still, like, my top-tier boy group for me. Yeah, so after their debut, um, I feel like they just had, like, gradual decrease in popularity with every single comeback since then. Um, They had a second comeback... Um, their song was called Back, and then they had a third one that year that was called You, and oh, You- Oh, I love that song. I, I think love that song. You was a, almost, like, what started this, like, really bad decline, because their official music video for You could never actually get it's released. Not, yeah, because no, I, there was quality issues, and they didn't want to release it, because it was, like, I guess, shot in really bad quality, and so their music video for that song just never got released. It's just a performance video, which I remember was- I had been- I was still very new into K-pop, and I had heard of, like, I was trying to keep up with all the debuts, and then K and K, I would just keep, like, seeing them and watching it, and then slowly, all I liked Knock, mm-hmm. and then slowly I go back, and their videos have, like, lowered in quality, and yeah. I'm like, it's sad. And then You happens, and it's just a performance video, and I'm like, what happened? Yeah, it's, that's, Are a, they okay? I think that really, like, brought any type of like growing popularity to like to a halt that with that one like not actually having a music and they would also take a long like three comebacks in a year is good Mm -hmm. but like i feel like then they just started taking really long breaks yes so that's um things started getting really really bad after you um because in 2017 they only had two comebacks which were rain and sun moon star but because i think they those two comebacks were kind of like it wasn't, it wasn't a repackage, but, like, they were, like, kind of released, like, to, as, like, they're meant to go together. And so they came out pretty close to each other, but, like, after Sun, Moon, and Star, it, like, there was just, like, nothing for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, so their albums sell fairly consistently. Like, they sell around ten to 12,000 albums every comeback they have, which is, like, pretty good. Yeah. For, like, a D-tier K-pop group, group of, like, almost yeah. no popularity, so. Yeah. So they have a fans, very they dedicated have a fan base. fan base. Yeah. They have a consistent dedicated fan base. Mm-hmm. I'll get to another instance of that later, but at least the fans that they do have, like, they're there. Like, I think in that, at this point with K&K, with them having gone through so much and being, like, so non-relevant to the public that any fans of them have to be, like, very dedicated at this point. Um, oh, yes, and so after Sun, Moon, and Star, um, here comes 2018, and we get to talk about our favorite YG survival show again. Oh, my, I, so, okay, okay, listeners, I have not read this script 
and I never watched Mix 9. Why does that keep coming up, Kayla? Why can I never escape this show? <laughs> we can never escape this show. Like, I don't even know how many times we've talked about Mix 9 on this podcast already, but it's, it's been too it's many. It's like every episode, I think. Too many. Like, it keeps coming up. It's so many. <laughs> everybody was on that show. Everybody. Literally everybody. K&K is the actual reason I started watching this show, by the way. So if you want to blame me for bringing up Mix 9 for every group, K&K is the reason I got into this show and suffered through it, so. I feel like no one knows how many people were on Mix 9 because no one watched it. Mm-hmm. You did. But, I did. Like, no one else watched it, so no one can bring up the fact that, like, that's how all these idols know each other. Mm-hmm. You did, so that's the only reason where that's the only- you're the person piecing together this, yes. like, web of, well, they know each other because they're both on- because th- these two members were on Mix 9, and I'm yeah. like, okay, all Once right. Once you get through all of, like, the Mix 9 and, like, produce seasons and, like, the unit, and it's just, like, everybody just has a everybody connection to somebody that you would never expect. Exactly. Everyone knows each other. Everyone's friends. The My... K-pop idol life is just a tiny, it's like a high school. Everyone yes. knows each other somehow. My favorite just like bizarre combination of people together is the Produce Season 2 perf- right round performance that has Juhakyun of The Boys and also Hwanwung of One Us and Sung of N Flying just all in that performance. And it's the most bizarre group of people to be together and like in a performance, but that just it's amazing. exists. amazing. Yeah. I've seen that performance thanks to you, and now my life has changed. Because it's just of it. so weird. My life is better. It's mm-hmm. improved, Kayla. Thank you. Yes, and so, um, Mix Nine. So Yuju and Jihoon, um, sadly did not pass the audition for Mix Nine. So they did not get to go on the show. Um, so only Heejun and Insong and Sengjun went on the show, but all three of them did, like, pretty well. None of, um, they didn't, none of them ranked consistently in the top nine. Insong was, started off in the top nine debut group, and then Heejun and Insong consistently ranked really high. Sengjun ranked a little bit lower, um, but, and got eliminated around early, um, due to a very upsetting situation that I don't even want to go into because it'll make me upset. <laughs> I don't know what this is. The, so, um, I think it was the second or third round, I don't remember. But Sangjun was in a group that covered It's You by Super Junior, actually. Good song. Oh, that's a great song. Um, there was one specific member of the group that was just incredibly problematic and, like, very untalented and constantly like caused conflict in the group because he either wanted more parts or he wanted parts that he was just like unable to execute well and the rest of the group was like no like no it was just like no because you can't do it um and a lot of the stuff he wanted to take was like sangjun's parts and sangjun was about to just give it to him because he just didn't want the conflict anymore um but he all so when they did their live performance he like screwed it up a lot because he like barely sang his own parts and then like also instead of lip singing sang into the microphone when they were on so it screwed up everyone else who was actually had to sing the song at the time uh-huh. and that entire group um came in last place in that round and all of them except for like one person got eliminated who was in that group oh that's sad and it was sad and so sangjun was in that group so that it he got he was like 
I think, four spots away from being safe, so, which was Aww. sad. Um, Heejun and Insong were in that Love in the Ice performance. That's, like, my favorite performance from a survival show ever. And they were also they were in Paradise Lost, which was also another one of my favorite um, performances ever. And so I don't know how true this is, but I was on, I'm, like, in, like, K&K Twitter at the time, so I was, like, following, like, whatever the fans were doing on Twitter when Mix 9 was airing. And apparently the Korean fan base for them just decided to stop voting for them, because once Sangjoon got eliminated and realized that all three of them weren't going to make the group, they wanted just all of them to not make the group so they could go back to being their own group instead of having to deal with whatever bullshit YG was going to do with the know. debut group. <laughs> Little did they know. Yep. It didn't matter. And so it did not matter anyway. Um, but their ranks fell a little bit after that anyway, so it could have been true. I don't know if that actually happened or not, but that's what I had heard. And so they got eliminated, all um, three of them were eliminated by the time the finale um, performances came around. Um, let's see, yes. So after Mix 9 was over, um, and that just sad, sad show happened, <laughs> they- That show is a hot train wreck of a mess. It really is just such a disaster, everything about it. <laughs> um, so right after that, they went on a really long hiatus because Eugene left their group due to, um, he got diagnosed with, like, a panic disorder, and so he just decided he didn't want to be an idol anymore. And so once they were all done with Mix 9, he left the group, and then the remaining four eventually left YNB Entertainment as a whole in search of a new company because YNB just did not have the resources or the money to support them as a group anymore. But, I mean, YNB is just not a good company. It really is not. They're, like, barely holding on to anything. Because Bestie doesn't do things anymore. I think Bestie nope. is just gone. And yeah, K&K Bestie was... is not officially di disbanded, but... Right. Yeah, no. they. That's the only two artists they've ever had, either. Yeah. So, like, they don't have anybody. No, and not only K&K is gone, YNB is, like, essentially just not a company of anything nope. anymore. So, the four of them who were left after Eugene left the group are, like, I can tell that they are, like, just very, very good friends. Like, they definitely want to be idols, they want to make music together, and they want to promote as a group together. And so they left YB together, and then they added their friend Dongwon, Dongwon, who had already been friends with them for a good time because he had trained at FNC with um, Heejun and Insong. And they went on, I think close to i think it was almost a year by the time mix nine had ended and the time they had made their next comeback yeah i remember that when k and k announced that they were gonna have a comeback at mm -hmm. that time a lot of people were like oh k and k they're still a group yeah i had it was heard... one of those i was surprised i hadn't heard from like, them in oh, so long i thought they were just dead like, I heard that they were off, like, trying to find a new company, and I was like, well, that probably just didn't work out, and they're just gone. Like, that's it for them. Mm -hmm. It's this, those, like, unclimactic K-pop stories mm -hmm. where it's like, you don't get a disbandment, they just never have a comeback. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's so sad. And I think it was, I, um, how long was it between 
it was close to two years in between when they released Sun, Moon, and Star, and then had their actual first comeback with their new members after their Mix 9. Like, that was just two years of no music for them. Mm -hmm. Granted, entirely of 2018 was taken over by Mix 9 and the disaster of a show that that was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was that bad. That was a lot. A lot, ha- a lot happened, and for the most part, the weird thing with K&K was that, like, a lot was happening, but also just nobody really... They were just not a group that was, like, super reported on, so it's just like, oh yeah, no, no K&K. They're just One around, those, like, yeah. that sub, like, C-tier K-pop groups that just disappears. Mm-hmm. Because that's just, like... A normal thing that happens to K-pop is especially with these, like, lesser-known groups and, like, companies that don't, like, have anything. It's just that, like, you you just won't hear from them for a while, and then either they'll just disappear without officially disbanded, or you just get a notice. It's like, hey, we're officially disbanding, and it's just done. But in 2019, um, they had an actual, actual comeback now with Lonely Night first, and then Sunset later in the year. And I remember Sunset gave them a little bit of popularity. Because they have a really interesting cho- choreography for Sunset, so I think that's what drew people into it. And they were also shirtless. So yes, that helps as well. That did help a little bit. That was the, Just that's a little like bit. the little bit of, like, um, K&K popularity that sort of sprung up from that, but not really that much. No, not really. And after that, um, just did a lot of nothing again for a while. But they did it, um... They are having a comeback, but they had to make Star the comeback. And so, for people who aren't aware with what Make Star is, it's essentially like a Kickstarter um, for a K-pop mm. group specifically. And it's just where fans can go to support the album. Um, I actually they I make the Star album. their album that's coming out. Yeah. And essentially, it's, yeah, essentially it takes about what five thousand to like six thousand dollars to produce a K-pop album. Something like average. that, yeah. And that's how much they all... So, essentially, the fans are raising all of the money mm-hmm. to produce an album. That's yeah. essentially what a make star is. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to, like, a Kickstarter or GoFundMe where there's, like, different tiers of, like, stuff you can get from it where you get, like... I think the lowest tier is, like, you just get the album and it's signed and that's it. But then you can get, like, extra photo card things or, like, a Polaroid or you get, like, a video message from them or whatever and you can pay over much money you want to support mm-hmm. them. Um, so, back to the fact that we talked about where they have a small fan base, but they have a really dedicated small fan base. Their yeah. Kickstarter was apparent, or their Make Star for their comeback was apparently 100% funded within 10 minutes of opening. That Which, was, that's a lot. It's like, yeah. And by a the, lot of, like, <laughs> it was a lot. If you look at Make Stars, Make Stars, like, they usually end up with, like, the full funding. But sometimes it's, like, like borderline that they don't. Sometimes it takes, like, the full amount of time to get all the funding. Ten minutes is, like, I think that they would have had a fan base where the company could have put in this money. But that's just me. Oh, boy. So I'm looking at um, the MakeStar page right now. So when I um, went to fund the MakeStar, it was at, like, something like 400% funded. It is currently 675% funded, which is $110,000. Good lord. <laughs> that's so much money. So that's how much money they got for their upcoming comeback. 
Yeah, make stars are actually usually really good. Mm-hmm. Like, they usually make the money that the artist needs, because a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, I know I want more from them. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't know. I think when a group has to start going to make star to get their funding, it kind of just shows what the, what the, how much the company wants to invest. Mm-hmm. Which is really, not so much the popularity of the group, because I think K&K does have a lot of popular, enough popularity where this isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. Because there are definitely groups from companies who are, like, nothing, who can just, they they just, like, fund albums for, like, because of it, but it's... A make star doesn't necessarily show the popularity of the group, it shows how much Mm -hmm. the company cares. How many cares. Which it shows not a lot. I... Honestly, I couldn't tell you what company K and K is actually under right now. Um, they might just be like managing themselves for all I know. <laughs> oh, they're under two twenty entertainment. Who is two twenty? Let's look up. Who no has, idea who, who that 220 is. Two twenty entertainment. Never heard of them. Two twenty entertainment is so much of a nothing company. They don't even have their own Wikipedia article. That might as I well hit- just be the members like managing their own group at this point, which would make sense why they would have to make star their album. But true. I mean, but it's still yeah. But they're just essentially just they're at either they're either managing themselves or they're at a company that just has like no money or resources or effort to put towards them and their comeback which is a sad place to be but i'd rather them be there and have for them have to make star all of their albums and their albums get 600 percent funding um than them to just not release music so Mm -hmm. i'd much rather have that um but yeah so that's really a history of them up to this point um they're having another comeback soon. Yay! I, they, we don't have an exact date for it, but it should be by the end of the year. It's exciting. I think it's going to be good, because none of K&K's music is bad. It isn't. Like, all of the songs they've released I genuinely like a lot. I own a lot of their physical albums. I already own a signed album from them. You're getting another one, too. I am getting another one, because I'm getting the make star one. <laughs> <laughs> so, odd question. I don't think we did this for Unique. But mm-hmm. Unique is all doing fine. I'm not concerned for Unique. Unique is doing fine. Wang Yibo doing fine. is, like, the most Unique. popular man in China. <laughs> Wang Yibo is doing it fine. Yeah. But what do we see for the future of K&K? Yeah. I, I, I think this is a history, and then you take the knowledge you learn, and then you apply it to the future. Mm-hmm. How do we see the rest of the K&K career going? I don't... So I see this not going that well for them. Where... I feel like, so what happens to 24K is that, and I see them going in a very future similar epi- direction. Keys for a future episode of, this, of this series are 24K Oh yes, yeah, so we will definitely be making a 24K episode at some point. Um, so this isn't as bad as 24K, because 24K had just, like, they went through, like, stupid amounts of members in their group. So many members. But Almost I, as bad as the Top Dog just, situation. Another tease for another future Another episode. episode. Or Xeno T, whatever um, you would prefer to call call them these days. But (laughs) eventually what happened with 24K is that the members just got old enough that they had to go into the military, and then the group was just dead at that point. Because I don't think there's any hope of them trying to make music or have a comeback after someone gets out of the military with, like, as little popularity that they have. I think once someone has to go to the military, which is Sangjun, I think who would have to go first. 
Um, and he's going soon. Like, Sangjun has to go, um... I think probably within the next Within the years. next year or two, yeah. Because he's in 93, so yeah, within the next, like, two years. So I think once yeah. he has to go to the military, K&K is just, like, done as a group. Oh, But that's really kind of what happens with these, like, C, D tier-ish boy groups. Like, gr boy groups have this tendency to last for 10 to 12 to... If you want to count Shinwa 20, 28,000 years, they yeah. were here at the dawn of time. They'll be here when the sun explodes. Just mm -hmm. constants. But it, that really only happens when you have that dedicated, loyal fan base that also sells enough mm -hmm. to be popular. And a lot of boy groups don't ever have a, an official disbandment. They just kind of fizzle out. Yeah. And that's really sad, but... But that's just kind of what happens. But that's just what happens. in particular, with there being, like... Now there's, like, stupid amounts of debuted groups a year. Like, let's, like, take this year, for example. We just made we an episode. We have a full episode, about eight of them. With eight groups in it? There was that another, all of them. like, five we didn't even talk about on that list in that episode. And there's, yeah. like, another four coming up by the end of the year. So. Oh, good lord. We just got news. We're recording this, like, at the beginning of September. Mm -hmm. Lord knows when this comes out. And it's like, we just got announcements for, like, five debuts. And we're like, what is happening? Are we going to have to do a 2020 K-pop debuts part two? <laughs> I think we might have to because we're just, like, overwhelmed with debuts Because now. they're, like, actual, like, um... Companies. Companies, because it's Wolong, FNC, and Maru are all debuting groups, like, within, like, a month of each other. Not even. Well, like, weeks, yeah. probably, of each yeah, other. Yeah, no. No, this is, we're gonna have another Pentagon SF9 situation where it's just gonna be, oh, like, yes. two groups debut the same week. Mm-hmm. Another very, 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 very one, one us, us where they debut the same, same day. day debut, yeah. A couple hours apart. Like, that's, that's where we're at. So, at some point, there are gonna be groups that get buried. And it's groups like K and K that get buried. Yes, it's good groups that are producing quality music. They're not untalented. It's just you're overwhelmed with the amount of groups you're trying to keep up with, and oh, yeah. one of them drops. And it's sad, but it's like only the ones from these like bigger, more notable companies are really and we're the not groups even that just survive, or even yeah. And it's like not even because some of these groups from like bigger companies don't even do that well these days with just how many groups are out. Yeah. But it's like for a group from a small like, when you say unknown company to be we don't like yeah. When we say bigger companies, we don't even mean like the JYPs and the YGs. Mm -hmm. We're talking like FNC and Cube and. Maru, is it Maru? Mar Maru, yeah. Maru. And Woolum, like, those companies all of them. Are in Woolum, who are, like, they're not, like, when you retrospect look at K-pop companies, they, they aren't what you think of when you think of big company. Mm -hmm. But they're way better than Y&B and 220 Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so many K-pop groups debut with, like, these no-name companies. Mm-hmm. And that's who, like, near, then they just disappear into the ether. Yeah. Because, like, an FNC group, like, I think that they could fail. They, they could, could very they easily, easily fail. Easily, they could easily fail. Easily they could the fail. The FNC group in particular I can see easily failing. <laughs> uh, because like, FNC's like been a hot group. mess lately. <laughs> yeah. All right, bad example. A cube group. I can see a cube group failing and failing badly. Mm -hmm. But do I trust them to be given a chance to survive? Yeah. Yeah, they'll give them 
two to three comebacks before they officially are like, well, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. A, like, a no-name Nugu group from a company that has nobody else, if their first comeback doesn't do well, bye. Because I'm just thinking of this the, year. Cause we like, have, like, five of them this year yeah, that disappeared. I'm thinking of, like, D- there's a chance, like, the chance DKB is probably just gonna fade into obscurity because... They'll be fine. They're, but it's like, they're from, I'm like, com- they're from, like, a, no- a nobody company, and they're probably in the same spot that K&K was, where they debuted early, and so there was as many competition, like, other yeah. groups that debuted at the time, but now we're at the end of the year. And we've got, like, three notable companies debuting groups now, and it's like, well... Yeah. How well are they gonna be able to hold up with, like, all of these other, like, groups that are debuting? MC&D holds out. Because I think there were... I think DKB is probably the group from the least notable company that we talked about. Uh, or Elast. We did talk about Elast. Elast, too, yeah. They're probably... The two of them are probably not in a good spot anymore <laughs> in K-pop. But, like, I think that they have time. They do. They think that they have, like, I think they have, like, a year. Tries, yeah, you give them a year, you try it out, you see what happens, and, like, very few companies can keep a dying group alive just through, like, the f- sheer force of will. And a lot of those are just big, massive companies that just keep pumping money into something until it works. And I think that the unfortunate thing and the reason we do this show is to just highlight groups that are, like, you don't talk about them. No one in K-pop talks about them because K-pop is such a fast-moving genre of what's the new thing, and then mm-hmm. you just forget that that group even exists. We've had a couple of those where we're, like, getting debuts announced that we're like, they're still together? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that they disbanded. We have a constant conversation about Alphabet, and, like, every Constantly. time we hear about that, we're just like, oh, Alphabet's still around? Alphabet? Who knew? Alphabet's been around for a very long time. They really have. Like, they're, like, surprisingly old. Mm -hmm. And, like, have surprisingly been doing this for a very long time. I'm very happy for Alphabet. That they're still going, They're living their best lives. They really are. So that was our episode on the history of K&K. Mm-hmm. I think we had a good discussion about the larger k-pop world in general as we well. did <laughs> it kind of went off at the end but mm-hmm. i think we had fun i think it's relevant because it's like and that's just kind of kang is kind of like a it's kind of an example of like what happens to groups that really aren't from these bigger companies and i just aren't given you know the a money chance. or a chance ever because there's just so much going on in k-pop and it's not uncommon that this, like, that this happens to groups either, but it's just, like, it's just bound to happen with the nature of K-pop, so. But it doesn't mean that they're not good, because I like oh, them a lot. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Check them out. They're good. I like them. Mm-hmm. Check out their, um, new comeback, um, whenever that's gonna happen. Soon, hopefully. If not, check out Sunset. They look Sunset or Lonely Night. Knock is constantly on, like, my list of favorite K-pop songs ever, so. <laughs> Would recommend all of their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you for watching this episode. Um, 
I don't know where you're listening to this, but we are now on Spotify, finally. Yay! It took us long enough, but we are now on Spotify. So we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're essentially on all the podcasting places now, which is and nice. And if you're on the podcast sites, mm-hmm. go to YouTube. We have fun bonus videos. We do. We also we upload all of our episodes onto YouTube, and we make fun clip compilation videos, like our favorite K-pop songs, our favorite groups, choreographies, Ho Anthems was a fun video that we put out recently. I love our Ho Anthems video. Check it's out our favorite. Ho Anthems video. I'm yes, very yes. proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a Twitter, and we now have a K-pop collection Instagram that the five of us collectively share that we will hopefully be posting on more soon. I finally got my unique album, guys. Thank Woo! you. Yes. Yay. Yay. I own the jewel. Mm-hmm. It's the jewel of my collection. <laughs> so if anyone was ever going to offer Sammy a deal on a unique album um, that we mentioned in the I unique episode. I can take episode, a second one. It's fine. We do not need it anymore. <laughs> Get your get more money from someone else. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That album's worth of so much money. It really is. It's worth a lot of money. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you for watching, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.